48K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Alex Price. The headlines. Officials revealed more than 30 civil servants have been suspended over protest-related arrests. There's a surge in mental health problems amid the ongoing unrest. And several Western governments say a Ukrainian airliner was mistakenly shot down by Iran. The Civil Service Secretary, Joshua Law, has revealed that 41 civil servants were arrested over the anti-government protests from June to December. He said 31 of them had been suspended from duties, saying it's in the public interest. For the remaining 10, Mr Law said their respective departments were following up on the matter. At this stage, the civil servants who have been arrested, out of the 41 arrested, uh, 31 of them have been indicted. So they have been suspended from service. Are interdicted. But in the event that if they are convicted by the court, then we will go into uh, initiate disciplinary action. And the result could be sack or could be a warning, depending on the severity of the punishment. Meanwhile, legislators have again failed to begin discussing a 5.2% pay rise for civil servants. Councillors were locked in a debate on how to summon the police commissioner, Chris Tang, to appear before LegCo's Finance Committee meeting this morning to answer questions over alleged brutality in handling the protests. Some pandemocrats also wanted to exclude police from the pay rise. Speaking after the meeting, Mr Law said he saw no reason why the commissioner needs to come and urged lawmakers to respect the normal practice of not considering the performance of individual departments. It is important for us to adhere to the established mechanism. So I would hope that members of LegCo would respect this and as soon as possible if they could go into a detailed discussion of the item then we can have an early decision from LegCo. The Finance Committee will meet again this afternoon. Researchers at the University of Hong Kong say the city is likely to face increased demand for its sparse mental health services as the effects of months of civil unrest take a toll. They said those who spend long hours checking political news on social media are at particular risk. But they also acknowledge that data and methodology issues could affect the accuracy of their estimates, as Stephen Dunthorpe reports. In a study published in the British medical journal The Lancet today, a HKU team co-led by its Dean of Medicine, Professor Gabriel Leung, found evidence that hundreds of thousands of people in the SAR were showing signs of depression and post-traumatic stress disorder. The research, based on a 10-year observational study of the effects of social unrest on mental health, found that 11% of adults here reported symptoms of depression during the anti-government protests of recent months. Before the 2014 Occupy protests, the figure was just 2%. The proportion of adults reporting symptoms of PTSD climbed from just 5% in 2015 to 32% between September and November last year. People who spent two or more hours a day monitoring socio-political news on social media were at particular risk of PTSD and depression. The researchers said these figures were comparable to the mental health conditions experienced by communities that suffered large-scale disasters, armed conflict or terrorist attacks. However, the research team acknowledged that their findings were observational and could not provide a direct link between cause and effect. They also said that data and methodological issues might affect the accuracy of their estimates. Dr Leung said mental health services here lacked the resources to cope with an upsurge in depression and PTSD. People seeking mental health treatment in the public sector 
already face a wait of more than one year. The Housing Authority is projecting its cash and investment balance to drop to $35 billion in the next four years, compared to $43 billion it had at the beginning of last April. The authority says it'll build more public flats in coming years and building and operating costs are expected to rise. Around $115 billion is forecast to be spent to build flats from last year to 2024. But the chairman of the authority's finance committee, Professor Chan Karlok, said it has enough financial resources for its plans for the five years and he doesn't see a need for the government to inject more money. The government is very committed to uh, build more of the public housing in the next five to ten years. For sure, that is going to really to uh, increase our construction expenditure. So for that, we will continue to monitor the situation. At this point, I have to say, the uh, based on the cash and investment balance as of the end of the five-year period, we are still of a healthy situation. Officials in the United States, Canada and Britain have indicated that Iranian forces mistakenly fired missiles at a Ukrainian airliner on Wednesday, bringing the plane down near Tehran. Iran has denied the claims and has invited the manufacturer of Boeing and the air safety agencies of Ukraine, Canada and the US to help investigate the crash, which killed 176 people. Here's the BBC's Paul Adams. Iranian officials have rejected the latest reports as ridiculous and part of an American psychological operation. They initially spoke of a technical malfunction, later saying the aircraft had turned back towards Tehran airport before it crashed. But U.S. officials are widely quoted as saying that American intelligence detected Iranian air defense radars being turned on shortly before Wednesday morning's crash, and that satellites picked up two missile launches and an explosion. The Democratic-controlled House of Representatives has voted to limit President Trump's ability to pursue military action against Iran without the approval of Congress. The House's decision came four days after Mr Trump ordered the drone strike which killed the Iranian general Qasim Soleimani in Iraq. Here's the BBC's Peter Bowes. The resolution limits the president's ability to engage in hostilities against Iran under the 1973 War Powers Act. It passed with members of the House of Representatives voting largely along party lines. The measure is mostly symbolic. It mandates that Congress must approve any future conflict with Iran except in cases of an imminent attack against the US. Earlier Mr Trump said he wouldn't mind consulting with Congress in certain cases, but he retained the right to make Split-second decisions. The resolution now goes to the Senate, where Republicans have a six-vote majority. President Trump says he ordered the attack that killed General Soleimani because he was part of a plot to blow up the U.S. embassy in Iraq. He said another factor was an attack in December by an Iran-backed militia on a U.S. military base in Iraq, which killed an American contractor. Mr. Trump was speaking at a rally in Ohio to launch his 2020 presidential campaign. Soleimani was actively planning new attacks, and he was looking very seriously at our embassies, and not just the embassy in Baghdad. But we stopped him, and we stopped him quickly, and we stopped him cold. A top Iranian military commander has said future actions against the United States will be carried out by its proxies in the region. Amarali Hajizad from the Revolutionary Guard said Wednesday's missile strikes on air bases in Iraq were the start of a campaign to drive American forces from the Middle East. 
Two inmates have injured five members of staff at a high-security prison in Cambridgeshire in Britain. Counter-terrorism police are investigating the incident, which took place as cells were being unlocked. More from the BBC's June Kelly. The attack was said to be carried out by two inmates wearing fake suicide vests and with improvised bladed weapons. The BBC understands that one of the suspects is Bruce Tomziamani, who was jailed in 2015 while still a teenager for planning to behead a British soldier. He's a convert to Islam, currently serving 19 years. The other suspect hasn't been convicted of terrorism, but is in prison for a crime of violence and is said to have converted to Islam while in jail. In more U.S. news, President Trump has announced sweeping proposals to weaken an environmental law in order to speed up the construction of roads, pipelines and other infrastructure projects. The proposals are designed to cut red tape to help industry, in particular fossil fuel extraction. Mr Trump made the announcement at a news conference in the White House. For the first time in over 40 years today, we're issuing a proposed new rule under the National Environmental Policy Act to completely overhaul the dysfunctional bureaucratic system that has created these massive obstructions. These proposed reforms will reduce traffic in our cities, connect our rural communities, and get Americans where they need to go more quickly and more safely. However, critics say the proposed changes are likely to increase greenhouse gas emissions. Environmental groups are expected to challenge the proposals, which are subject to a public review before being finalised. Reports in Britain say Queen Elizabeth and other senior members of the royal family have asked staff to work with Prince Harry and his wife Meghan following the announcement that they'll step back from their duties. It's understood the senior royals are seeking a workable solution to the plan. It's said to have caused surprise and disappointment at Buckingham Palace. The Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban says he's sending more soldiers and police to guard the border with Serbia following a rise in the number of attempted migrant crossings. In recent years, Mr Orban's government has built a system of fences along the frontiers with Serbia and Croatia to stop refugees. The BBC's Nick Thorpe reports from Budapest. The decision to beef up the security forces patrolling the fence was needed because of the growing numbers of people trying to cross. Over 100 attempts a night, Mr Orban said, citing police figures. He also cited Turkish statistics showing a significant rise in the numbers of asylum seekers entering Turkey and trying to cross into Greece. Eyewitnesses in Subotica in northern Serbia have noted a growth in numbers in the past days, but suggest that most are heading for Croatia rather than Hungary. Police in the Indian capital Delhi have used batons to disperse university students who were holding a rally near the president's house. They were demanding the removal of the vice-chancellor of the prestigious Jawal Nehru University, where dozens of masked men assaulted students on Sunday. An Australian Red Cross appeal on behalf of victims of the bushfires has received a boost with the proceeds from an unusual charity auction. A baggy green cap donated by cricketer Shane Warne fetched more than a million Australian dollars. He's one of many Australian sports stars to try to raise funds for bushfire relief. Financial news now and currencies. The US dollar is trading at 109.53 yen. The euro stands at 1 US dollar and 11 cents. And the pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 15 cents. And a short time ago, the Hang Seng Index stood at 28,577. 16 points up on the previous close. Turnover was $62 billion. Now, with the latest sports news, here's Adam Jerm.
We start with an update on the Hong Kong Golf Open, where the former champion Wade Ormsby continues to impress. The Australian tops the leaderboard after shooting a sparkling second-round 66 at the golf club in Fanling. He's now on nine under par through two days of play, and leads fellow Aussie Travis Smith by three shots. To football now, an All Madrid final in the Spanish Super Cup is confirmed after Atletico Madrid stunned Barcelona, winning 3-2 in their semi-final match in Saudi Arabia. Angel Correa scored the winner in the 86th minute to complete a late comeback for Atletico after Barca had dominated the second half and had two goals ruled out following VAR review. Atletico will play Real Madrid in Sunday's final. The staging of the expanded Super Cup in Saudi Arabia has been controversial. There's increased revenue, but the money isn't spread evenly amongst the competing teams. Valencia are complaining because they'll only earn two million euros for their appearance, while Barca and Real Madrid will each get six million. Here's Ernest Masia from Radio Catalunya. No, they are not. But there will be extra bonus also of almost one million uh, euros for. All the teams, so 800,000 uh, euros for each team. So this is equal. And of course, if Valencia had reached the final, it's uh, 1.2 million euros. And then if you win, it's uh, almost one more million euros. So in the end, I think it makes a good uh, uh, quantity of money. But it's it's normal. It's more expensive to bring to Saudi Arabia uh, Lionel Messi, Suarez, Benzema, and Bale rather than Jaume Domenac, the goalkeeper of Valencia. It's it's a question of marketing. The Tottenham striker Harry Kane will have surgery to repair damage to his hamstring, and has been ruled out until April. The BBC's Joe Parsons reports. The Tottenham and England striker Harry Kane has been ruled out until April after the club said he needs surgery on a hamstring injury. Kane suffered the injury during the Premier League-sized defeat at Southampton on New Year's Day. No timescale was originally given on the England captain's return, but Tottenham now say specialists have advised surgery is required. Kane scored 27 goals in 31 appearances for club and country this season. He'll return to training in April, two months before Euro 2020 begins. In tennis, Novak Djokovic sends Serbia into the semi-finals of the ATP Cup with victory over Canada. Djokovic won the singles contest in three sets over Denis Shapovalov. Rafael Nadal will take the court later today when Spain take on Belgium with a place in the semis up for grabs. And that's your look at sports. Thanks to Adam Chung there. Now to end the news, a reminder of our top stories. Officials reveal more than 30 civil servants have been suspended over protest-related arrests. There's a surge in mental health problems amid the ongoing unrest, and several Western governments say a Ukrainian airliner was mistakenly shot down by Iran. That's the latest news from RTHK.
Good afternoon and welcome to the 123 Show. I'm Sadia Osmani. My thanks to James Ross for the morning brew today. And it's Friday, yay! So on the show today, we continue our travels along the Silk Road in search of some of those amazing holiday hotspots. Our destination today is Africa. Joining me in the studio at 1.30 will be Hong Kong-based Tandy Moyo from Zimbabwe and Ali Isa Usman from Chad in Central Africa. I'll be 